Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today with episode 163 of the Ham Radio Podcast. And it's me, Carrick, with ACG. Carrick, thank you for joining me. How are you doing, man? You bet. I'm doing great, except I just noticed my pa- my posters are, like, touching each other, and oh. now it's driving me. Oh. It's fucking you driving me. You can fix that, man. Do you want to fix no, that right it's now? Fine, <laughs> it's all right, but I saw it, and I'm like, what the fuck? That's been like that through an entire podcast? Yeah, you got, you got two on your right, yeah, my left, and you got one over there. Yeah, you got to... We gotta balance. I've got it <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, it, it's leaning to port. Yeah. Anyway, uh, for those of you who are joining the show, thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to listen on the go, we have links in the description for both those on Google Play and iTunes. Furthermore, if you want to be a part of the show, you can support us on patreon.com slash Plays. You flick a dollar our way, you get early access to the podcast on Fridays. It drops on Sundays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for the rest of the public. Care can attest to my uh, immediacy, I guess, if that's even a word, with... Um, yeah, getting early also access make up. you merchandise called Flick a Dollar because now that you've said it like a couple times, it now I don't know why, but I chuckled. Just I don't like, know if you saw like me. Flick a buck, yeah. I just got like the dollar bill filled in half. Uh, we need to get an artist. Yeah, we need to get an artist or you like dancing like G string and they're flicking yeah. a buck. At you. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We got this. So yeah, if you guys want to go ahead and flick a buck our way, um, buck. you get early access to the podcast amongst many other perks like Discord access and so on. And now. Let's get into what is a discussion-filled week, really, but we also have some news. So, I'd like to start off personally with one that I didn't expect. I thought this game was dead and gone, and here we are talking about Darksiders 3. Darksiders 3 is dropping November 27th of this year. Carrick, this is a series that was kind of plagued by God of War. It was like, okay, it's very much similar in that way. The little, at least the first one was very QTE heavy. Um, I don't remember the second one all that much. How do you think Darksiders 3 stands in a busy part of the year? Also, once again, as they were always attacked by God of War, <laughs> they're releasing in the same year as a superb God of War game. Yeah, I didn't think about that. I know a lot of people also compare two to Zelda style titles. Mm. Style titles, not just Zelda. Yes, I do Hub remember world. hearing that. Yeah, so um, I, I I don't know. You were the one who were was saying in uh, when you were tweeting me, you were like, "It looks way better than it used to," which yeah. is true. The new video, the old stuff was like that shit looked rough as yes. fuck. So it actually, I mean, it looks interesting. The thing is, is I'm not a hundred. So the first one showed some whip attacks and stuff, if I remember right. The first video, then the second video shows sort of exploration. The only thing that bothers me a little bit, to be honest, is the movement looks weird. And I don't know why that's bothering me so much lately with games, but a lot of times when like the animations look a little off, that was the only thing I noticed. Otherwise, it'll be a dark a Darksiders game, and I think a lot of people like those titles. So, and it's covering who? What? Uh, it's uh, Fury. F- Fury. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it look looks interesting. It's releasing into a time frame that's good and bad. Good mm-hmm. because a bunch of games moved to 2019. Yes. And bad because. I'm not 100% sure it's strong enough to sort of lead a ho- uh, like a holiday charge. I could be wrong. But. Yeah, I, I don't I just think I think if it's in a different year, you mm-hmm. you I think it does make a, a strong contender to lead a, ho- a holiday charge, but in a year with a new Fallout game and a year with a new Red Dead oh, and a new right. superhero yeah. game and this right. is coming after it all, oh. I think this is a game Red that Dead. a lot of people are going to see go, "Wow, this looks great." And then realize it comes after all those. 
where yeah. they might... Have you ever made that mental note? Like, I'm definitely going to pick this up. And when push comes to shove, the time, you're there, and you're like, I don't have the money for this, or I, I just yeah. can't in good conscience do this. I think that's the position a lot of Darksiders consumers are going to find themselves in. We're going to see a lot of vocal support, and then we're going to see Let's Players do it, and we're going to see Let's Play support, and I don't think the game sells as well as it should. And price point's going to be important, right, Maddie? Oh, so, yeah. like, if they were like... Because I, I don't know what their price is. I haven't seen anything about it. But 60. if they... If mm, man, I'd dude, imagine just not the do forty right. Like yeah, get it out there in that time frame after Red Dead and stuff at forty, and I think you have a much higher chance. It depends how big the game is too, because Darksiders Two was mm, open true. world, correct? So I, yeah. I think I it's a safe assumption that they're going to evolve on that formula, build another Darksiders open world title. Because in every way, from what I had heard, because like I said, I don't remember much when I played it. Because um, I think that came out. Darksiders 2 dropped at the same time as something else. And because I remember my buddy Connor got Darksiders 2 and really liked it. And then I got another game around that same period of time. This is 2013. So I can't think of what it was, but I think it was around May 2013. So not sure. Damn, it's been that long. Yeah, right? I I think so. But that's that's why I don't remember it. I think they're going to evolve on that. I am looking forward to it, though. And it's actually one that when I saw, I was like, "I'm, I'm definitely going to make time to play this, you know, especially in a crowded year. Uh, The other thing is also what I noticed with this release date is we're starting to see the video game industry move to more of a uh, a year-round approach. Usually the starting date is like late September and the cutoff date's like mid-November. Now we're seeing this late November and we're seeing Smash Brothers the following week or two, I think, on the Switch, which is another big launch. We're seeing Octopath here in July, which is a pretty big launch for the Switch. It's an exclusive title. We saw Mario Aces last month along with Vampire, Onrush. We're seeing the industry kind of develop into this full year cycle where I think in two or three years, we're going to – it'd be a safe expectation to see – Maybe the industry in a place where, yeah, the crew too forgot that one too. The crew too, sorry, I forgot, yeah. So there you go, and we're seeing it slowly roll into a full year approach where usually the summer is the time you slow down, and I think there will still be that break, that take a breath, because, you know, a lot of PR is being done at conventions for these games. But I wouldn't be surprised if now we're seeing more games try to find their niche almost. They're trying to find their spot in the calendar and we're going to see a lot more of this where the calendar date gets extended where yeah that's a little bit closer to christmas but i think we put it here we give ourselves a better shot than january or february next year yeah and um for example vampire which you said was was that last month vampire was last month yes so vampire sold four hundred and fifty thousand. they wanted to sell 500 to a million but i don't think they would have had they released in fall I mm-hmm. think it was a good time for them to release. I think right now would have been a better time because we're sort of dead right now in this. It's Sixty dollars, like, by the way, just to clarify. Uh, for Darksiders? Yes, sixty dollars. Sorry, I kind of ruined your train. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, ignoring. Yeah. So, Vampire released at a, a good time frame. I don't think it would have done so well in fall. Mm-hmm. I think that Darksiders, though, there's a lot of fans. Make yeah. no mistake, but I'm not a man. I'm not 100 percent sure that's the greatest time. I think the overall year thing is the best thing for the industry, though. Yes, that and and fucking let's hope somebody who's planning on releasing in December may look and go, you know what? Let's give it an extra five months of polish. Mm-hmm. Let debt state of decay two, state of decay two certainly could have waited for yeah. a couple of months, right? Let's polish that bitch up. Let's get it all shiny and working. 
and then let's release it and um and release it in a month that yeah some of these other titles aren't in i'm okay with that i would love for that to happen i agree the a big thing though is i remember uh, a developer um had said i i saw it on reddit um i believe it was someone from bethesda game studios actually uh or former dev he had said uh that the thing that you're never going to see someone do is like, and I know like, for example, State of Decay 2, that's not a finished game, but yeah, you know, when they go over QA and Microsoft goes, all right, this is feature complete, ship it. You know, I, and I wonder when they say like, okay, this is enough. And when they say this is done and we're going to release it now. And that's when they consider it ready for launch or, ready. you know, because what I was getting at was the dev says, you're never going to uh, delay a finished product. So I imagine to myself that if it's in their interpretation, like, hey, this is finished, then... Then extend they... that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. how much polish do we need? If we do polish, do we lose out on 200,000 sales or something? Um, I think yeah. a lot gets considered in that when it, when it comes down to, like, the final month or two before a game launches. Um, well, and also when you look at development, there's multiple different types. Waterfalls, one type. Most most game developers don't use waterfall development. But if if somebody's developing software, there's a code freeze where you're like, okay, there's no new additions. This is all beta. Uh, sorry, not beta. This is all uh, polishing. I just wish that was extended. Yeah. It, it's like instead of having two months, don't make me a fucking early access beta tester for you. I already gave mm-hmm. you my $60. Instead... You know, like you said, where's their line? Well, then extend your fucking line for a while. Yeah. Um, give me crew two with PvP because it doesn't. You can't even race multiplayer, right? Yeah. Like, extend that shit and and get games out there because people will remember that for years. If mm-hmm. it, I think we've shown that that if something is released and it is working right away, there's very few technical issues. Usually, those are the games that people Stand talk out. about months later. Yeah. yeah. Um. Another thing that could impact this year-round fiasco is um, I just read that Unreal Engine is now doing, instead of a 70-30 yeah. split for revenue, they're doing 80-20, which yeah, I think is that. huge. And then I think they're also retroactively like going back and supplying money for prior sales or wow. prior usage of the engine. Uh, yeah, I know. And that's like one of those things where I almost want to go on Fortnite and, and say to Epic, like, here, I'll pay for season five, even though I'm not going to fucking play it. I just thank you for doing a good thing, man. Like, that's, I think that's amazing, right? And so, yeah. with that, the revenue share, I think that can allow a little additional, we'll put this in quotes, risk, right? Um, yeah. They stand a chance to make more money back instead of, I think, for any company, they look at 730, 80, 20, they're like, fuck yes. You know, we, we can look at it that way as YouTubers. There are various partnership offers, and it's a huge difference when some company comes to my way and says, we'll give you 730 versus someone who says, we'll give you 820. Like, well, like networks for YouTubers. I yeah, don't know if you... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, because I'll always get approached by networkers, and right now, I don't I don't use a network, mm-hmm. so it's, 100 per, it's 100% me. And I get that they can offer stuff, but a lot of times, they'll be like 80-20, and I'll be all, fuck you, 80-20, or yeah. fuck you, 70-30, but if you have to make that choice more is better and the idea that epic's like going to allow that or not allow but is is now doing that is all the better because i think that it does some risk but also what if somebody says all right let's eat up that five five percent of that game by polishing longer mm-hmm. and we'll still get another five percent you know more because they change the percentage anything that helps developers 
usually helps us. So I'm I'm all for it. I think that's awesome. Yeah, huge. I was, I was surprised by the news. Yeah, as was I. I mean, it, it shows that they've made so much with Fortnite that they're able to go like, all right, let's give a little bit back to the community and probably make some more because more people you will think use that's our why? engine. You think that's why, Matty? Is I Fortnite? imagine there's a, a connection, you know, of like yeah. what other things are. Because they, I mean, the weird thing is they shut down Paragon, right? They shut down Paragon, which could oh, have just right. been a MOBA that catches a little bit of fire and makes them some additional money. But instead they shut that down because Fortnite's doing so well. And also because Fortnite's doing so well, I imagine they're saying, hey, let's give more money back to the devs, get more people True. using this engine. Um but yeah, man, I, I think that's superb of Epic, not to take the original story off track of Darksiders 3. Um, as someone who's played the Darksiders games, what's something you would personally want to see in a Darksiders 3? Fixed combat and lack of any QT. Or lack of very few. Or, yeah. or l- not lack of, but very few QTEs. Mm-hmm. The second one, I, I don't remember the second one having a lot. I had a major glitch in the second one where whenever I oh, got no. on a, 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 on a uh, ledge... My guy would mm-hmm. climb to the left uh, at all times. So, like, I would walk. Everything was normal. The moment I'd leap to a ledge, which a lot of the game is based on climbing, my guy would just shimmy to the left the entire time. I was like, I can't even fucking, I can't even get to where I need to go. You can't move. So, hmm. yeah. So, um, to me, it, lack of QTEs. Uh, I didn't mind two. I remember the hub world was fine. Um, I would, I'll just say movement. I really do. I don't feel that two had the best animation, and I would like to see, because in those kind of games, when I'm looking at somebody, I want them to look like they're connected mm-hmm. to the world, uh, like they they move as everybody else does, and that's the only thing I really worry about with Darksiders. Okay. Yeah, I can get behind that. I think just QTEs has uh, always been a concern. Um, you, you wonder if they're watching other developers, like when Spider-Man PS4 had its reveal at E3, and a lot of gamers are like, whoa, QTE here, like... Relax, oh, and Insomniac, right. like I said, we removed some, this is just for the demo, and furthermore, it's hardly in our game. Like, they instantly yeah. were like, boom. And I wonder if, I forgot the name of the dev for Darksiders, looked at that and said, I know is it THQ, THQ Nordic still? Yeah, yeah, I don't know if they were publisher or developer, though. Mm, right. Um, and I, I wonder if, we'll say THQ, I wonder if THQ looks at it and goes, whoa, okay, let's make sure we, we strip away a lot of that and just maybe make it a cutscene. Just like, let it happen. You know, the player hits yeah. the final blow and then cutscene. Yeah, let, I mean, we. I, the thing about cutscenes is I'm not against them in, like, a Telltale's game because it's a story-based. Mm-hmm. But whenever you get the fast action and then it's a QTE, there's that moment where the entire game changes. It's just like, oh, it's a playable cutscene. Instead, yeah. shorten up your cutscene, tell the story you want to tell, and then let me get back to the action for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um because I also think graphically the QTEs rarely look for Until Dawn. The QTEs look like the game world because it's like Telltale games. They're yes. in the same world. But a lot of times QTEs, when you play them in action games, the QTE always looks a little better. Animations you can't do mm-hmm. are done in that cutscene, and that to a lot of gamers, I think, it reminds makes me of uh, and pops them out. Yeah, it reminds me of Marvel Ultimate Alliance. You know, you you have those mm. sequences in the boss True. fights where you like press a, a series of buttons and you like slide between this big enemy's legs, hop up on his head, and like something you cool cannot flips. do. Yeah, exactly. It's almost like in a way you're giving the player the power. You're like clicking the buttons and making them do it, but you're not actually like hmm, giving them the power. Yeah, give, yeah, are, yeah. It's like not. it's like a false power. It's like it, right. it's like you're faking them out. Like you're doing it, but not really. Like we're 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 putting you on a leash here, kind of. Um, so yeah, I agree. 
I'd like that removed. Um, as for the story, that's one thing I'm, I'm interested in because, like, for those who are listening to this and who are intrigued by Darksiders 3, um, it is a, a solid series, I'll say. And if you are a PlayStation owner, uh, the mid-year sale, I believe it goes on till the 16th. So if you're like me and you're like, fuck it, I want to replay Darksiders 1 and 2 before the third one, right now there is Darksiders 1 for $2, normally Jesus 20 Christ. And yes, Darksiders 2 for $3. So Yeah, I would say pick those up. Yes, for $5, you can get two good games. Very very enjoyable experiences. Um, I'd really say if you were on PSN, at least the first one, because you're saving yourself a lot of money, and they probably won't go on a sale like this for a while. There was a sale prior, uh, earlier on in the year, that these Darksider games were on a cheap discount, but we don't know if that'll pop up again between now and release. Um, so I'd just say if you're interested and you're a PlayStation owner, definitely give them a look. At least the hey, first one. Maddie, did they have DLC, man? You remember? Did they have? They didn't have microtransactions, thank God. But yeah, did I, I think two did? Maybe weapons or something. Yeah. Oh, what, you know what? I think that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that is what it had. So my uh, also then hope is that we don't see any microtransactions. I would. Okay. I would like to. Yeah. I would like yeah, to play three. I, I would. None. Yeah. I, I don't. Based off their decisions uh, with pricing with THQ, um, they handled the remastered, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Based off that pricing, based off these deep discounts, I imagine they're very aware of the situation they're in. Yeah. Of like, we got to get gamers in the door here and start buying our products in the first place. I'd imagine because of that, that microtransactions, I wouldn't think they'd be a concern. You don't think so? I, I'm, I could be wrong. Yeah, you because know, this could be like you know, this is our this is their big fall title. Like this is a big game for them. This I could hope be you're one. not wrong. Yeah, same because that that will be a nail in the coffin. Yeah, uh, just one more. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it would be nice. I I just I don't know, man. We don't know the financials, but I just wish a company would look at that and go, okay, obviously we're releasing after Red Dead and all these big crazy games. What can we do? Well, if you can't drop the price. If you don't want to drop the price lower than sixty, then make sure there's no microtransactions mm. and and um, maybe DLCs free, maybe. Yeah, I here, would. Let me, I, you know, let me check if Darksiders Two had <clears throat> any DLC because that that's something I'm curious about. We DLC items is coming up in the hot bar. Yeah, there's so Argyle's Tomb, Abyssal Forge. Demon Lord Belial. Hold on, this actually sounds like substantial content. Yeah, I was just gonna say maybe that doesn't sound like just item packs. Um, okay, so let me click on Argyle's Tomb first. Argyle's Tomb is the first DLC for Darksiders Two and placed a heavy emphasis on frozen environments surrounding a tale on an older dead king, uh, and surrounds the tale of an older dead king than the Lord of Bones. His name is Argol. He's betrayed by the current dead king for the sake of his throne. Ostagoth offers death a reward in return for locating Argol's tomb and destroying it. So yes, this is like a location DLC. Base DLC, yeah. Um, and I'm imagining the others. I'll, I'll check while we sit here. I imagine the others are more of the same. They are. I'm looking to when you read the first one. I read the second one. Yeah, the Abyssal, Abyssal Forge. Forge. Yeah, part one, part Demon two. Lord Belial. So hmm. the it. Hmm. Yeah. I. 
I just hope they're free mm-hmm. if they do do it. Yes. That's just me. Yeah, that's okay. So that definitely throws a, a little bit of a wrench into it. I'd say, I'll, I'll say this. Game releases, no microtransactions, anything, just roadmap, though. Kind of like Tomb Raider. Um, yeah. Roadmap. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if they'll put prices on it there or not, but well, I think... Kingdom Come, Deliverance. Yeah. I think they did a good job with their roadmap. So. I think, see how the game does, roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that. Uh, any more thoughts on Darksiders 3? No, it just dawned on me. I think Darksiders 2, the version I played, was the like the the devil what it, version oh, or whatever definitive. it had. Yeah, it had that DLC, now okay. that I remember. and Because that was, like, what, two years ago, I think, when I mm-hmm. looked at that. So, um, yeah, man, I'm just... It, it, the the better they can... Or, or the more they can differentiate themselves, the better. And if you have to do that... If you can't do it with pricing, then okay. do it with free DLC. Or make sure that DLC's fucking epic, right? Like, uh, like a Prey? Y- yeah. Yeah, no shit. Because yeah. they're no like, shit, like, buy this $20 DLC, and then I didn't realize, like, the they add free updates to that DLC. Like, they added yeah. like something Skyrim-related, something Evil Within-related. It's basically DLC for DLC that's yeah. free, which was pretty fucking cool. And then, Yeah, and one of the free updates coming with that is the Mimic Hunt one, like, the multiplayer shit. I just saw that and thought, fuck, man. Like, you know, for 20 bucks, you're really getting your money's worth because you're getting updates yeah. that are free for a DLC. It's almost like a second platform. It's awesome. Yeah. So, yes, Darksiders 3 is dropping November 27th this year. If you guys are interested, once again, if you're a PlayStation owner, I highly recommend you look into at least the first one just to give the series a whirl. It improves over time. And now let's move on to our second bit of news. Code Vein has been delayed. It's into 2019. Uh, Had you ever had a chance to playtest this game? You have not. Okay, I did. I haven't even had a chance to do anything other than see one video. Really? Okay, so... Uh, for those who don't know what Code Vein is, it's pretty much a... And we talked about this pretty extensively when Fighting Cowboy was on the podcast. Um, it's it's pretty much a, a simple way of breaking it down is like it's it's anime souls. That's one way of putting it. Um, but it has like this whole mechanic where you have this giant demon gauntlet that you can use to soak something out of the enemy. There's a specific word for it. And when you do so, that powers you up in a unique way. So it has its own gameplay quirks that make it stand out. It's obviously got the art style that makes it stand out. And when I played it at E3, um, it was one of those situations where it's like, this isn't blowing me away, but it didn't seem like it was bad enough or broken, buggy, like anything was acting weird. It looked like it was ready for launch. So Hmm. I wonder if we were just talking earlier, like, hey... We have this this situation where why not delay it into an area where we're a little bit safer and also the game's better. So I'm yeah. I'm personally calling that's what they're doing because they're releasing in a month with Spider-Man and right before Call of Duty and Red Dead. I think they realize that this game doesn't stand much of a chance at this current point in time. Yeah, especially if maybe it's a slow burn. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's one of those games like like a vampire where you get into it and y- you're like, oh wow! But at first blush, it's not some, you know, crazy God of War looking thing. Then I, I could certainly see them delaying it for that reason. Yeah, I mean, r- the Red Dead effect alone has caused multiple people to move to you know the starting of next year anyway. How what time are they review or are they delaying it to? You know, um, they just said. Just to 2019, I can, while you keep going, I can double check 
make sure. But when I had read an article, it just said delayed to 2019. I don't think they what would you wanted... say the animation looked like, Maddie? Like, so you said it silky, had a... not silky. Silky's a oh, big compliment. Sorry, Silky's what I'd say. Silky's what I'd say. Platinum Games is so that's definitely not the right word. What were you saying though? I was going to say I, I made a mistake. I didn't mean the animation. What what's the um, art style? Like what is there a cartoon or anime or what have you? Yeah, that... more more anime. Like spiky hair. Like the okay. the eyes were kind of detailed. For those who are into really obscure JRPGs, I'm about to drop a reference of like Dot Hack kind of like that yeah, type of art style, that is. type of okay. character concept, except like more modernized. Um, gotcha. Let me click on Polygon's article here. Um, Vampire action RPG needs more time is what they say. I didn't know this was a vampire game. Shows how much I know. Uh, It has been delayed to 2019, the publisher announces. Code Vein was pushed to next year to further refine its gameplay in an effort to exceed the expectations fans already have of the title. Um, This is based on all the feedback we'd received over the last few months, namely at events like E3 and Anime Expo in LA. Uh, yeah, it's not saying when. So it's yeah, I was correct. It was just literally 2019. 2019. So maybe I'm wrong on the price thing and the timing. That does sound like maybe they found something mm. overall that they didn't like because a lot of times they'll say February and you you know what they're doing. They're getting yeah. away from the holiday glut. But that when they're like, there's things that were brought up at these different animes. Perhaps it's people who you know followed it and were like, this doesn't look exactly right or maybe they like you were like it's good but it's not yeah blowing me away maybe they're all okay we need to we need to like light this thing up a little bit mm-hmm. and that's why they're delaying it if anything i my biggest complaint was the environment i felt like everything of promo material i've seen and everything i've seen in game has always been and I, I said this once again when cowboy was on the show but it was more of like this hellish environment it was like just rock. I do remember and red, you Yeah, that. like rock, red, brown. It was very just boring to explore. It wasn't like a lot of games at E3 where usually I'm when I enter a demo environment, I, you know, I think to myself, okay, this is a demo. I'm not going to sit here and play extensively, so it's a short period of time. But still, they somehow managed to grab me in a unique way. Where this one, it was just like I was going <laughs> through the motions. I was going through the motions, and a big part of that is someone who's sold on env- environmental design, uh, yeah. world building. It didn't offer me anything intriguing outside of character concepts, which I imagine in a, a Souls-esque game, it doesn't offer much on that, that it looked like it was kind of flat off the start. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they mm. could. there's a lot of stuff they could do graphically to sort of spruce up yeah. that, those areas. Maybe they just decided we're going to, you know, make it look a little bit more interesting. I mean, you, it's yeah. a tough time. It's a lot of competition. I think... Now that you mentioned, like, they may have found something, I also remember Fighting Cowboy had posted a video. He went to an event to play Code Vein. Like, they were doing the general press and and feedback collecting that most companies do prior to launch and also to build hype. And um, I had not, out of all the feedback I'd heard, I'd not heard someone say, like, yeah, it was buggy. Yeah, there was something. Gotcha. It just seemed like it was just like, yeah, this is good. Like, yeah, it's all right. Like, I, I think... They had set the expectations for themselves, like, this is really going to shock people. And then no one was shocked. No one was like, whoa, other than, like, the character concept. It wasn't the gameplay, though. And that's where they go, mm, let's let's dial it back. Let's see if we can tweak something here. So I think you're, you're on to something there with that one. But, yeah, it's just flat out 2019. So... That shows that, yeah, I think they're, they're going to work on not just fixing a bug, but rather adding yeah, something. Yeah, adjusting some stuff. Yeah. 
what I mean the the other interesting mechanic in there was <clears throat> pardon me you always had someone like following you and actually legitimately helping in combat so and and they and they were if they died they just kind of disappeared and that was it you know it, it was a very what's the word I'm looking for it was very uh, a very cumbersome game to get into because you you start off the demo and usually it's like okay this is a souls game i know what i need to do but ikor or iker that's the name of the mechanic there's that mechanic explained there's like so many little nooks and crannies that i think a big issue that they may have encountered was they hit the player with so much early on complexity yeah it was a lot of complexity a lot of steps to understand at least in my opinion from just like i picked it up and i find out there's a couple of other systems in place here that i don't get Maybe they just didn't give enough people enough time with the game to, to yeah. say, like, hey, I get this, and now I see what's special about this game. Um, where maybe they're going back in there trying to spread the wealth, like, okay, we have this, like, level one, level two, level three. Pretend those each of those levels for those listening audio-wise are um, separate areas. And split them and kind of segment everything and, t- and make the, the beginning a little bit more digestible for the player. Well, and Lawbreaker showed that if you don't have a good tutorial and you don't explain things well, you can have a disaster on your hands. So to me, that that makes perfect sense. That maybe, yeah. And that might be why it's so long, because maybe they're like, okay, we need to really break this up. Because yeah. complexity, a lot of times, I don't know about you, but I'll see a menu, and it'll say, like, inventory or something. And mm-hmm. if I'm not really interested in the inventory at that time, you, you click through it. Yeah. But if also on that hint is something about some arcane little system then a person can end up halfway through. And I've done this in games where I've played for a while and been like, where's the blah, blah, blah? And then go yeah. in and it's like under you the go fourth a whole game without using it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So to me, that, that makes a lot of sense on why they said 2019 and they didn't say the exact day because they do have to clean that stuff up. I, I hope think, they do. Yeah, a great example of that I think is, is actually God of War. God of War had solid UI, but when it came to leveling up your character... Yeah, it wasn't your standard like go to your stat menu, increase this, this, or that. It was based off the items you collect and that you equip, and some of them were tucked away like menu, menu, menu. Right. So there's like three sub menus to get to the enchantments of the pommel of your axe, and and then you finally upgrade that, and then you jump up to like level six. Finally, you're like, fuck, that's what I was missing this whole time. Like I was wondering why I was struggling. Weird connection. Now I right? get it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think the other thing is that. I feel sometimes the worst tutorials are the ones that give you a mechanic and tell you everything about it off the bat. Oh, they, true. They, they just tell you, like, in a big paragraph on screen, everything you need to know. I think it, it just hits you with the information. It does not leave room for discovery, and it doesn't leave room for experimentation. It's like, this is the mechanic. This is how it's used, rather than this is the mechanic. You can use this to quick step behind your opponent. It's like, instead... Let's say, oh, I could quick step behind my opponent and then maybe get a backstab like in the Souls games where pro- a tutorial of this kind, and especially in Code Vein, where, like I said, I, I opened up like four different menus and they were all meaty paragraphs. Right. A Code Vein tutorial would be like, you can backstep, and then if you backstep, you can backstab them. Or if you backstep this way, you can also do this spell. Or if you backstep and then open your oh. inventory, you can quick swap a weapon or some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it hits you with everything at once. I think they just needed to spread the wealth and make each mechanic a little more digestible early on. Vampire did a good job because it still had some mystery, even though it did the movies, which are my favorite thing. Mm. I love when it's like, here's what your special effect will look like. I love that. Yeah. But one of the things they say in one of those menus is like, 
Some attacks can be comboed. They don't tell you what the button is. They don't say it's Mortal Kombat XXYX. Mm -hmm. They're just like, some things can be comboed. And that, strangely enough, had me getting into fights going like, XY, okay, that doesn't work. XYY, oh, that did this differently. Exactly. So adding a little mystery and also not having huge things, I would rather have a little video or a little blurb. Also, I'm loving games, dude, that are starting to have like the help menu. Yeah. It, when you go into your main menu and it'll be like help and you click it or tutorials and it'll mm-hmm. let you go through all that shit all over again. Fantastic design. Mm-hmm. That needs to be in every Yeah, like uh, Prey does that. You look at something, yes. you press the, the start button and it'll bring up that very thing for the tutorial if you forgot what something did or yep. if you need a full explanation on it. But usually it's intuitive enough where you can discover and understand it on your own within the game world. Love it. Yeah, Love it. absolutely. So... I think those are some of the key issues with Covain. Um, like I said, was not bad. It, it, it like it, I saw. Okay, there's potential here, but like, like I said, it was just like okay, this is just good. Um, and I, this is for a very specific audience. I think they kind of want to open that up a little bit more. So we will see in due time where Covain ends up. Um, before we get to a lot of the discussions, the last bit of news for us is about Mister Todd Howard. So Todd said. <laughs> In a recent uh, recent speech in Barcelona, he was talking about Skyrim. He said millions of players still hop on Skyrim every month. And furthermore, he joked and said, if you want us to stop porting this game, stop buying it. Now, there were a couple of viewers of mine who were like pissed off, like, how dare he? But like, he's obviously being facetious. But there is some truth in this statement. Like, hey, it's business. Like, if you don't want this, look at the sales. Look at the millions of players each month. Like... You just stop, and this all ends, right? It was it was a joke because they're kind of embracing the meme. You know, they made Skyrim on the Alexa. But first off, are you are you surprised that a game from 2011, a single player game at that, is managing to garner millions of players? Ow, fuck my knee! Every single month. Yeah, that was a lot. But mm-hmm. I also, you know me, I'm not a big fan of Bethesda's way of doing things, and I have to say, I saw nothing wrong with what he said. And there's two reasons why. There's a ton of ego in gamers right now where they forget that new people come in to the industry every day and if all we're talking about is skyrim there is a chance for five bucks 15 bucks what have you absolutely they may go get a skyrim so siders like we were just talking about we're talking about it and someone might say two bucks yeah remove your ego a bit and look at it you know like yeah we get it. it it is business and we do tease it but i i think that he's probably got a pretty good idea also that the most vocal are almost never right mm. like we're you know you get a youtuber even myself who'll be like bah, bah, bah. but then obviously people are fucking getting it and it, it's modability builds in longevity and you have modders doing full worlds like elsewhere and mm. um there's a couple of skyrim beyond skyrim so it's like we can't sit here and say maddie started a bethesda channel for no fucking reason one yeah. of the reasons why you did is because of Bethesda games. So we, you can't have it both ways. So to me, I think he was just being completely facetious. And I, it was one of the few times where when I heard him say something, I wasn't instantly like, God damn it, Todd. Instead, mm. I was all, oh, I get it. Like, it was a joke. He was like, quit yeah. buying it and we'll move on. It, but it is business, like you said. It, it's it really it highlights something weird with this part of the industry. I don't know, maybe if weird's the right word, but you'll correct me if so as I explain further. 
You know, it's one of those situations where, like, joking's very hard here. Like, if I were to say, like, oh, yeah. Carrot, you, you, me and you disagree, I'm like, you're being a fucking dickhead. I say that to yeah. you. It's like, you know I'm fucking joking. We've been friends long enough, and I obviously yeah. don't think you're a dickhead. But right. someone on the internet's in their headphones in, Carrick, you're a fucking dickhead. They're like, God, Matt, I, you know, you sound like such a douche there. How could you say that? Because they don't know our relationship. We're, we're right. friends. And, and joking becomes hard. Where uh, I talked to Austin Hargan, who, who had previously worked at ShoddyCast. He's on The Game Theorist now. And he's like, oh, I wanted to make a little near-perfect joke in a video just to kind of like lovingly jab at you. But I know people would just twist it into, I hate you. And I'm like, it's sad because it's true. Because I don't fucking yeah. care. You know, I, I'm very much a person who who roasts my friends endlessly, and I love getting roasted back. You know, it's always been that way with me. And so I've noticed that joking is, like, near impossible. Yeah. It, it sucks because I love to just jokingly rip on, on YouTube friends of mine, and I do it alone sometimes, and people would understand it's in good fun, but there would even be people who were alone would tweet out, I hate you, Matt. And people would be like, why does Lone hate you? It's like... Oh, who doesn't fucking hate me? <laughs> Just Can like you when, remember when, when we joked that one yeah. time, and we said, "Can't I can't believe Lone did this?" And yeah, there were legitimate people going like, "Oh my god!" And I'm all, "Oh, yeah. for fuck's sakes!" I didn't yeah. even think about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, dude, it, it's ridiculous. Or another example I've experienced is like Pete Hines. Like he, him, and I have like joked with each other many times. But like when Pete Hines jokes at me, they're like. Bethesda hates Maddie. It's like, you know, they, they fucking hate him. He sucks. It's like they scream from the rooftops. My haters are like partying. Fuck him. Like, yeah, it's it's ridiculous, man. But it, it, that's what it highlights for me. It's like there is truth in his statement, but it is still a joke. And I don't say this because it's Bethesda, but just in general, there is no humor allowed, I feel. Yeah, and I would say, like I, like I said, I'm not a big fan of a lot of their way they handle PR. And I there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, that was one of the few times where it's like, yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't even dissing old core gamers or anything. It was like, dude, seriously, if you mm-hmm. want us to quit making it, then quit fucking buying it. Because if a bunch of people are buying it, obviously we're going to make more. I mean, rarely do you get a company going, fuck, this is a success. Shut it down. Yeah, exactly. Like, we, we don't want it. It's, it's like, it's, why do you think they're making another Elder Scrolls <laughs> spinoff? Exactly. Hello? So, <laughs> To, to me, um, it, it it makes perfect sense. I think the joking thing is, it is pretty true that it is hard. It is hard to joke, mm-hmm. it, especially if you're ever serious. Then people can bite on the fact that you were serious even one time. And I don't mean teasing somebody, but I mean even if you did a serious video, and then you joke the next time. People can look back and go, "He obviously wasn't joking because did you see this other video?" Yeah, and it's, it's like this it, permanent emotion because that's the problem with you and I. Twitch, one thing they don't deal with as much is they have their VODs when, once they've done their live stream. Yeah. But it goes away, right? It go, unless somebody chooses to go grab it and download it and cut a part out. But my YouTube, I've had people go four years later and look at a review and be like, I can't believe you said this, but now you're saying this. And I'll be all, that's what happens yeah. as adults. We learn new info. Um, yeah. So, for, for example, did, I don't know if you saw Skill Up. He was, he, he, he was like, I'm not going to talk about Division anymore. I think it was Division, yeah. And then later, or oh, it was Destiny. And then later, a, the DLC came up, and he did a video. And there were, I mean, there were people on my channel, on my t- Twitter, going like, "What a fuck! I can't believe he fucking did a video after he said he wasn't going to." And I'm like, Jesus Christ! Yeah, I know, right? We should not celebrate lack of like openness in a in a platform creator. 
I mean, he probably maybe shouldn't have. I don't know how he said he wasn't going to. I've been to, there, dude. I said, direct. I said after Fallout 4's DLC ended, I was like, yeah, I'm toning back the Bethesda coverage. I said, I want to talk about other shit. And I s- still covered Bethesda at times because I wanted to keep that portion alive on my channel. Yeah. That's very much what I am here. But, you know, when I did, people were like, I thought you were done with this, Matt. You're not sticking to your word. Just drop Bethesda. Just move on. It's like, no, like, I'm still open to this discussion. Just I'm doing it less. Like, I, you know, maybe I, the the other difference was, like, you from what you said, skill up was more like a, like, I'm not doing this, where I was more like, I'm toning this down. And people thought that meant, like, I'm completely done. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I didn't get to, unfortunately, see what he originally mm. said. But I was, like, I was tweeting back to people just going, like, you can fuck off. I mean... <laughs> It makes it it makes absolutely no sense for it, it, well first of all you shouldn't say no most likely as a creator it's probably best to just you know maybe say you don't like something you, you like you said I'm mm-hmm. going to cover it less that leaves you the opening so there's some language issues there but at the same time it really even doesn't matter if you say hey I'm not going to cover Bethesda and then Bethesda announces something cool fuck anybody who says you're not going to cover it yeah, that would bro. be ridiculous. That would be the dumbest thing in the world. I'm going to kill my channel just because I said something. Exactly. You know, 15, 15 videos. I, I also think, like, when you say you don't like one thing in a video, like you said three years ago, um, like, I'm sure I could pull something from an old review. Okay, here's one. Here's one. For sure, this has changed. In my original 2012 Dishonored review, I was like, this game's great, but it's not long enough. And that's why I said... Eh, wait a little bit for it. In 2012, nowadays, you very well are much aware I'll take a, a six-hour amazing experience like Hellblade sure. Senua's Sacrifice over like 30 awful, tedious, mediocre fucking hours. hours. Yeah. yeah. But back then, you know, that's what I said. I said like, yeah, you know, hold off on this game for a little bit, guys. Dishonored's a good game, but it's not long enough. It was like, what, 10 hours long, 8 hours long? Yeah. But, sure, you know, sure. so like someone could go on that review and be like, I can't believe you're saying... Go get this game. It's sixty bucks and it's only six hours. But back then, you would say hold off on it. It's like, like you said, people evolve, times change. You see light, you understand. Like you said, there's like this almost. You say something in a video and then you are held, not the held yeah. to that because you should be held to your word. But there is a point where it's like if you say something, and a, you read a comment and it changes your thinking process a little bit. Perspective, right? Yeah. That's not a bad thing. The difference is it's not an open dialogue. It's not like you and I talking right now where if I say something and you go, well, hold on, Matt, how about this, that you can stop me in my tracks, correct me, or exactly. fix something, and then I can, all right, you're right, and then go on the right track. It's like you make a video, it's on the track all the way. Like You're not stopping yeah. it. The video's still there no matter what, and then you make another video afterwards if you have to recap that. Whole completely different process. Yeah, it's a weird situation, you know, with somebody like a Todd or a Pete Hines where they say something, even myself, where mm-hmm. I go back and I'm like, what the fuck? Um, but overall, I think most of the time it's better, even if your initial reaction might be, what the fuck? I think it, it makes sense for almost everybody to be sort of open to those kind of things changing. Like, keeps, oh, I get it. It keeps you open and it keeps you from joining the the freak out culture where like everything yeah. you explode over. Like, what the fuck is this? It's like, dude, weren't you like incredibly heated about that? It's like, oh, right, I was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It definitely um, helps. But yeah, so if you guys want Skyrim to stop being ported, uh, do not buy it anymore because the next stop is phones. Next stop is definitely phones. Oh, ah. <laughs> 
Um, that's all the news we have, but that does not mean that the discussion has to cease here. Let's go into the review process a little bit. Uh, I thought this would be a good topic because, you know, we're ramping up, we're getting ready for that fall season where it's incredibly busy, and I just wanted to talk about how you and I review games, but also how we can play the same product, sometimes comes to similar thoughts despite not communicating about them at all due to embargo or being able to openly communicate about certain portions of the game and thus reviews being influenced are also people who you've never spoken to before, but we end up agreeing on the same things and how that all works. So we have a a couple of examples that we would go through here. I actually personally want to start off with one I had mentioned um, where I said, like, someone you really haven't spoken to before, but you end up with the same opinions. Um, Not all of them, but most of them you can just agree on. How does that happen? So for me, I made my review for uh, Prey Moon Crash this past week and Skill Up which, Carrick, you had told me on the podcast last Friday when we recorded, you told me about it. You were like, you gotta try it out. Check out Skillup's review. So I watched his review. I'm like, fuck, this looks awesome. Or it sounds awesome, rather. You know, it's not just that typical procedural generation. I hop in, I play it, I beat it. I'm like, that was fucking phenomenal. And so I make my review. Especially when a small piece of content. It's always interesting to watch reviews, because... I've always said reviews are a, a glorified opinion piece. Yeah, as much as I love my reviews, at the end of the day, you got to know your reviewer. You got to know they're just giving their thoughts on the title. And especially when gamers share the same taste in certain things. Like yeah. for me, I see a $20 piece of DLC. I see longevity in it. I see replayability in it. I see creative gameplay design in it. And I highlight that. But for example, a couple of comments I received, um, not too many, but a couple enough to you know, make me think about this topic and talk about various parts of the review process where, like, Skill Up said some of the same things. I was like, well, you're correct. You know, he did say a couple of the same things because we do value those things. So what I want to get to with this is what do you think about creating individuality through the reviews? Like, what would you, what do you do in your reviews um, to really make yours stand out and go, like, this is a Carrick ACG review? Drop a Peter North or Tory Tory Blake fucking or Tory Black uh, horn joke. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, you, you and I do have different time frames. I think that's important. I'm usually day and date and embargoes because I don't do news videos and stuff. And you usually are later because of y- your time limits. And then sometimes you'll get a game and I won't. Uh, I think it wasn't Persona Five. There was one. Oh fucking bastard you got lego super uh, <laughs> or what was it marvel marvel, marvel superheroes Mar- too. too yeah <laughs> so so that's a big deal but for me i just don't really give a fuck overall about like not only what other reviewers say but because if i did i would be mad at you for let's say not liking um uh 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 far cry primal oh, i knew right? it was coming <laughs> but but and i don't like um Battlefront. So yeah. we have those kind of situations, but we also agree on Forza. And I've seen people on, you know, be like, "Oh, well, Maddie said this. It sounded like what you said. Good, good. That's mm. that's what you should have. Mm. If you can get some agreement from multiple people, that's what you should celebrate, not get mad of, and not get mad about. You see a lot of people who are mad about videos. They'll be like, "You stole this, or this person mm. stole this." Overall, there's very little you can steal unless you're repeating the same one-liners and let, you know that kind of stuff. The unfortunate thing that happened yesterday that I saw you uh, posting about, which was thumbnails, where yeah. somebody had, had, oh, yeah. had 
copyrighted channel, a, a strike against a channel do that. For me, though, I just say what I want to say and usually assume, for the most part, that it'll be individual enough because of the setup I have. Sound, music, voice, there's a couple things sure, there sure. that, you know. So I don't worry about it so much. If I was doing later reviews, then maybe I would worry about it. But, mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes somebody will copy me. For example, a major YouTube channel does copy my review title, the buy, wait for sale thing. And I didn't know that. Somebody was like, hey, dude, like a major company is, mm -hmm. is pretty much. And I'm like, really? Can they copy it? Because they can say the same title. That doesn't yeah, because really honestly, I used to, thing. it's interesting you say that. I think that's just, it's like your thing. Like your reviews were known for that. But like for me, I remember when I used to do mine, my thing to individualize it was like buy, rent, or pass. That was my yeah. thing. And but, yeah. you, you know, you have like your tiers that I think a lot of your viewers value of like buy, wait for sale, deep, deep sale, never touch again kind of thing where people are like, no, it's just very easy to hear and understand based off their own taste and what you had said that you listen to that rating at the end, you go like, okay, this is for me. This isn't for me based off yeah. what he's told me. Yeah, It's, it's, it's all a about context, way. man. It's mm -hmm. all about context. And I got a chance to listen to skill ups, uh, video and, uh, who somebody I love talking to knows a lot about games really Absolutely. is a champion for games. And then I got to listen to yours and I was like, okay, they are not alike. Like, I'm sorry, but what the fuck are you even talking? Like, there's a complete... There, okay, so you did it, like a 10, 10 yeah, there's, or something like there, that. It fucking makes no sense. It's almost like saying, well, Carrick said there was an M16 and so did Maddie, so they're copying each other. Fuck you, there's an M16 in the game, bitch. Like, you have to allow for people to discuss the same things, individualize within as well, within mm -hmm. the context of the video. And... I, so I don't really worry about it too much. I just don't worry about that shit because I think that no someone's going to complain no matter what. Yes. Which is what I was telling you on, on a tweet. I was like, mm -hmm. in the immortal words of somebody, fuck them. Because in the end, you're always going to lose to someone out there who will bitch about something. Yes. That is not me saying you should copy people. Anybody out there, no, do not copy not. my stuff. Definitely but not. <laughs> that's just my thoughts. Yeah, and that's I think you, you took the words out of my mouth almost completely with that there. Um, so... I guess when it comes to reviewing a game, um, sometimes there is that issue where, you know, you have to seek individuality. I know for me, I personally just, I look at like the top reviewers. I look at you skill up. And I'm like, okay, like they create these 15 minute, 16 minute pieces of just loaded with data. I'm like, how can I lead, like load with data, give opinions, give examples and keep this at a more, and this isn't bad for your sake, digestible, but digestible length. length. This yeah. is like a, instead of 15, like here's something that's six around like the, yeah, six to eight yeah. range, five maybe even. Um, for those who don't have maybe as much time. Um, that's what I try to do. And I've tried humor before. It kind of works, but I feel like that's not me. Um, I'm a humorous guy, but I just, I feel like I don't have that actor voice where I can crack a joke like mid, mid series review and have it, have it totally make sense. Uh, but I still try sometimes. Um, but also there are certain situations we find ourselves in where maybe we get a review copy and, um, that game's just not something we want to review. Like you said, Seeking Dawn, I had written down. Yeah. The VR game. Yeah. So that one apparently wasn't very good. No. And it was really buggy. Like it was, I mean, 
and I, dude, I was stoked for this because you know me. I'm actually a VR fan, mm-hmm. yes. and I'm into the immersion and stuff. And I get that not everybody likes it. That's totally cool too. So when I got it, I was really excited. I even got multiple copies for some patrons. We were all going to do this patron play, and then we jump in and find out if they're in Europe and I'm in America, they haven't coded in the choice to choose regions, so we couldn't wow. even see each other. So I was like, okay, you guys play yours, and I'll play mine. And then the menu wasn't even working. And it's one of the few times where I've had to like email someone and say, listen, I, I, don't, I can't even capture enough footage to say what I think of the game right mm-hmm. now. Which is, so, um, mind you, as someone who's recorded reviews and carries on many... That's really hard to do. Like, That's really can, hard to you do. You can usually get like a half hour and just say like, this doesn't work. But <laughs> Yeah, you could say it sucks, right? And yeah. um, so it, it, that, that rarely happens. I would say it happens very, very, very rarely. This might be the second game of all time. Um, matter of fact, Darksiders was the other one. Wow. It went to the left all the time, and I couldn't finish the game. Okay. So I had to email the PR company and say, hey, listen, I can't even get far enough to tell you if it's bad or good. It's bugged. I'm, if, if I do anything, mm-hmm. I'm going to release a Jim Sterling type of thing where he did with Sasuna's Sacrifice uh, or Night, uh, what is it? Um, Blade. Hellblade? Hellblade, yes. where he said, you know, I got this bug, don't get the game. I actually agreed with his review. I was like, if it's a game-killing bug, sorry, guys, I, you know, like, you're yeah. fucked, you know, but that being said, sometimes it's, it's rare, but sometimes you have to just look at a game and go, what the fuck do I do? Mm-hmm. Do I cover this? And for me, I spent six hours maybe just in tech just trying to get it running so what i did was i said i'm going to cover it in my podcast and i did <laughs> not not to the positive light um it, i think that's rare though i think overall most of the time when they're giving out code if they call it a review code it is review code mm-hmm. it's very rare it's this kind of situation which it was dude it was not ready yeah like man i mean i just don't even know how they thought it was. I've I've had those situations where you you start out the game, and it's so buggy. You wonder if you'll just even want to get through it. I think Sniper Ghost Warrior Three was a really good example <laughs> of like I loved how buggy that game was. Though it was so buggy, and there were times when the loading screen happened. I'm like, is it finally breaking? Is it finally over? And like I'd be there for like two minutes. I'm like, I think it finally broke. And it would just like send me back in the game. I'm like, God damn it! Like I just gotta write down that the load times are fucking ridiculous and keep playing. You know, it was like one of those situations where like you just knew off the bat, like okay, this is not a a good game whatsoever. I think overall, most of the time, you know, if you can get the footage, you review it because if it sucks, you want to tell people. Yes. And I think that for me, at least, like I said, I think there's two examples of, you know, 500 some reviews where that's happened. Um, That's a shitty situation. But another shitty situation, at least to me, is what's happening now. Just to talk about the review process. One of the things that's really bothering me is this bullshit where they're like, you can only show the first like seven minutes of the game. You can oh, Dude, I'm worst. telling you, Gears of War 4 was redonkulous. That fucking embargo was like this long, mm-hmm. and it was all, you have to use RB roll footage, like all this crazy shit. And I'm oh. like, seriously, guys, what you should say is, here are the points not to spoiler, this person's death, this person's arrival later, blah, 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 and go from there. 
And that has been happening quite a bit lately. Yeah, dude. Where I've been getting those. Oh, man. I, I remember that, too, because I had edited my review, uploaded it. You and I were chatting. You said, dude, that fucking embargo. I'm like, fuck, I didn't even really look. Yep. I had to like go back and slap on gameplay in like so many different areas and just, okay, like yeah, it was, it's fine now. But it's so fucking ridiculous, man. Um, that's my own fault for not looking. You know, I should I should clarify that. But there there are some times where, like you said, yeah, you just cut out this person's death, keep this story beat hidden, and you're good. But there are some gameplay restrictions where, like, only use review footage from the first 30 hours of the game. Yeah. And yeah. what sucks about this, it, this may sound ridiculous, like 30 hours of footage for a 15-minute tops review, Maddie. Come on. It's like you just got to understand that when you're constantly recording your gameplay – that something could happen at the 60-hour mark, a, a bug, a, a point in combat that you want to highlight in your review, and you cannot yeah. use that visually to represent what you are talking about, which then becomes frustrating because it's after a certain mark in the game that the developer had written down just because they don't want someone to see one moment in that final 30-hour span or something along those lines. Like it's It can be very frustrating because you don't want to obviously terminate any... Uh, any what's the word i'm looking for partnerships with these companies yeah, you don't goodwill, want right yeah you don't want to you always want to respect them because they're doing you a favor by giving you a game not only free but early it's just like you're trying to work with them inform people on more than likely it's something good right you're like this, yeah. if you're playing yeah. that deep you're like this is something good i want to show but you can't it's like they're almost shooting their own their selves in the foot like it's also i think that's a good point towards you saying things are sim similar if mm. we're all only able to show level three and prior you're gonna have a lot of the yes. similar coverage yeah god of war had that where people were like why is nobody showing this or that and it's like dude because we were literally like when for example you have the dude the dead head on your mm -hmm. um what's his name's head on your waist yes i couldn't tell if they considered that a spoiler so I had to cut my video so that every time it showed that side of like his body, I I would like try to cut it out. I would try to not show that as much mm -hmm. as possible. There was a couple times where it, he's still in there, but and I was and that was an actual that was more me even than them. But you'll get a similarity there too, and it, that definitely happens. In fact, that's why now in my videos I post the first response and I'll say summary. Blah, 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 blah. And then if there's a crazy embargo, I'll just state. Yeah. You know, crazy embargo can't show prior to level two. And if people, I would say now, if people are wondering how often this happens, I would say I have more embargo restrictions now than not mm -hmm. when I get games. I agree. I would say by a good amount. Same here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I just miss those days like Octopath actually kind of did in a good way. They're like 30-hour previews go up a couple of days before launch, let people talk about it then, and then reviews go up day of. I think that's yeah. fair. Like, give, it, give it consumers an idea of, like, should they be interested or not, and then give them the final answer afterwards. Yeah. Um, I, I really – I thought that pro that approach was good. Um, and the last thing I actually wanted to highlight was I was on Game Informer just checking the news for this actual show, and I had noticed the Earthfall review had come out. And I saw for them, and I, I like their site for reviews personally. It's one of the first I go to uh, after YouTube. I saw they gave Earthfall a five. And now I remember, for example, you had spoken highly, not highly, but you were like, I like this game. It's fun. It's good yeah. left for dead action. And it, it made me think it's about like knowing the reviewer, knowing your friends. Who can you trust? So I actually don't even know who wrote this Earthfall, Earthfall review. Generally, a lot of consumers will look at that five and go, 
okay, I don't need to play this. I got a five. Yeah. But I know Carrick's taste. I know what Carrick likes, and Carrick does know what I like. So him saying, like, oh, dude, it's fun. You should try it. I would be more inclined to try something along those lines. So that's why I always tell people, and, and Carrick, I know you've done the same because you, you got me into doing it, was like, you know, how could you say this if, uh, you know, I, I'm going to go watch this person's review instead from now on. I'm like, you should just watch both just so yeah. that you yeah. can, you, like, I, I'd recommend you watch someone else's review anyway after mine because you our, t- our taste may not align or I may value something more than you do. Uh, you know, there is a reason, for example, Vampire is currently my game of the year, right? Like, there is a right. reason because I lean more towards the choice-driven, unique atmosphere um, and cool settings than most. Um, there's a reason why Praise DLC has a better chance of slipping onto my game of the year list than Prey itself did last year. You know, it's like I value different things. I value that create not that no one else does i value this creativity this like oh this is new and this is fresh and when i have something fresh in my hands and it works well i'm like this is this is huge for me this is a big game changer where praise dlc takes those amazing systems in place and builds on them and puts a procedural generation system in there and then puts classes and then you have to consider so many different things it's a very deep mind game um and i value that more so that's what i'm saying it's like you got to know your content creator you got to know yeah. who's creating the review. And like I haven't done a review for Earthfall, I don't I don't think I will, but um like I I can see there's there's a ton of issues with it. It's still as fun. And I always explain that I don't know what I would review it. Um because I didn't get a chance to play the new levels, which is what I would do if I was going to do a review. But I saw 5.5, I saw 5 and I was like it's funny because most of the time I don't balk at anything. I see a review and I'm like that was their experience. Occasionally, I'll see a ten for PUBG, and I'll be like, "Come on, come the fuck on, like, let's think <laughs> this down. one through." Even if you don't like PUB, or even if you love PUBG, most people wouldn't say ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I look at an Earthfall, I think one of the things that's interesting about that, or Vampire, or any of those titles, is that most titles aren't perfect, and it's the imperfections and how much they weigh. Mm-hmm that usually cause a person to rate a game whatever it is. So a game may look graphically amazing to me. Doesn't mean I'll rate it a buy because that wouldn't make any sense. It's you you have to look at all of the elements and some of those things will detract from that look. Yes. And it, it is it is about knowing I think the reviewer understanding and uh, like I said it's if you have 10 people watching your reviews, 10 fucking people. That means 10 people took the time to watch your shit. That's yes. awesome. But don't ever assume everybody's going to agree. What always surprises me is when somebody vehemently can't understand why people disagree. And I always wonder if they have a special magical life that I don't have. Mm. Because I disagree <laughs> with everybody in my family at least once a day on I- entertainment, on whatever. So whenever I see somebody be like, I fucking can't believe it, blah, blah, blah. I'm usually a little stupefied by it because I'm like, Really? Mm-hmm. Or, or somebody will say, I followed Maddie for 50 reviews, but this one I don't agree with, so I'm leaving him. And I'll be all, okay, 50 versus one? You were yeah. never a fan ever in the first place. At the very minimum, you could have said, this bothers me, let's discuss it. Doesn't mean a YouTuber will have the time to do that. But it is something that's very odd when you you get those kind of weird reactions to something. It's very odd if you take it to heart, I guess. Yeah, It's not very odd 
like for me, I'll usually fuck back with them and I'll be like, you know, I'll say something smart asked. It depends on how you respond to people. But it is odd because there's so many different little idiosyncrasies that have that that occur that to me, I usually would say usually I agree with somebody else's review, even if I didn't review it that way. Mm -hmm. Like I'll be all okay, as long as there's context, as long as I can watch something or read something if I'm interested and go, yeah, okay, I get it. It Makes sense. Absolutely. So yeah, that's the review process. Just a little of insight there for you guys as we uh, get ready to really take a deep dive into <clears throat> what's going on there. Yeah, even I'm taking days off. Yeah, like because it's going to be pretty busy. Gonna I'm be, like, it's gonna yeah, be I'm going to give days myself a couple days. <laughs> so crucial. Uh, you, we were talking about time away from the screen. So important, yeah. just to you know let your and brain it's breathe. It's going to be unbelievable. Like. It's not going to just be unbelievable because there's a lot of cool titles, but also the length, like a yeah, Red Dead. Open world, you might open make world, open twenty world. fucking low. You might make twenty videos just for Red Dead if there was reasons to. Yeah, so it, it's going to be a busy, it's, busy fall. Absolutely. Uh, next is since a big RPG dropped this week, I wanted to talk about when the grind is okay. Now this is a topic that originally Kara could come up with many episodes ago. And so I wanted to return oh, to I that. Oh, I forgot about mm-hmm. this. We did talk. Okay, we did. It did yes. sound interesting. Yes, yes, yes. I thought I had clarified that beforehand, but I don't think I said I think you did, <laughs> I think and I, I didn't I understand did. what you meant. Okay. Like, I, yeah, you did. You did say something. Okay. Um, so with Octopath Traveler dropping, a lot of people have been like, okay, you know, this game's great. It's, it's a JRPG's dream. Uh, you know, this is an, the RPG the Switch needed. Love it, love it, love it. And there are people who are saying, like, it's all right. You know, there's a lot of tough battles you got to work your way up in the level sometimes i liked it though and there are people who are like this is so disjointed uh detached there is no organic uh storyline that joins all these forces together um it's just a mess and you have to grind a lot to get to certain bosses late game and and whatnot And, and so i wanted to discuss this kind of tails perfectly off the review of now we have different opinions again here. This time it's along the lines where maybe someone who's saying fuck this grind would say I love this grind for something like yeah. Destiny. Why does that happen? What makes a certain grind okay? For me, I always feel it boils down to aesthetics. What is aesthetically pleasing? What it, It's almost like would you rather sit in a room that smells like shit or would you rather sit in a room that smells like perfume? You know, like... You know, it's no like, matter if you're fucking or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who stinks? You're just like, hey, I'm out. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it's like, I think it boils down to something small like that, where when I'm playing Octopath Traveler, this game is has some of the most beautiful art design. I love sprites or uh, 16-bit RPGs. Um, yeah. They really just speak to the, the old days, but not only that, but when I was a kid and first really getting into RPGs and I was always grinding in a different term, grinding, on my Game Boy Advance SP. You know, those were some of my favorite gaming memories. So for me, it's aesthetically pleasing to just be around that and see it in a new modern tech engine and all the upgrades that come with that. Uh, Where someone who maybe doesn't appreciate that as much might be more inclined to side with Destiny because they'll say, oh, I remember running like 40 Halo 3 multiplayer matches in a row and we were on, I put this in quotes, that grind, end quotes. And that grind kind of resembles what they're doing in Destiny. I think that might play to it, just like I said, on an aesthetic level. But what do you think makes one grind okay but not another? 
Or do, are there, is there a, a reason that all gamers should hate the grind? No, I think the grind... Mm. So to me personally, grind is okay as long as there's a, a, a there's a continuity. I can usually ignore grind if there's some reason to ignore it. So continuity, uh, story continuity makes sense. Like if they're mm-hmm. like the reason why there's a shit ton of bad guys is because of this reason. Like they're ants coming out of an ant hill. They're aliens. I'll be like, okay, that kind of you know that makes sense fictionally, okay. or at least I can buy that. But then what happens, and we and we see this a lot of times, where instead of something like that, they're just like, it, the enemies just continually come, and you find out that what you're really doing is grinding for a sword with a plus one to uh-huh. damage compared to what you have. That is when I'm not a fan of long grind sessions. If you're going to do grind, I'm a fan of incremental improvements at the very least, if not procedural generation to adjust the levels uh you know graphics changes i think aesthetics make a huge difference like you said for example i know you and uh, lone liked borderlands aesthetically i was not a fan of borderlands look Mm -hmm. so to me that grind is not it doesn't matter if i liked the guns actually i loved some of the guns i loved some of the weird things you could get but because it didn't look visually enticing Mm -hmm. let's be honest we go on visuals yeah, and what I mean is, in real life, you know, you don't look at a car and go, "Man, that looks like a piece of shit." I'm buying that. So, to me, <laughs> uh, those are the kind. Well, do you? I mean, no, I'm just fucking imagining. Most people, most people don't. Can you imagine it being with your friend? He's like, yeah, "This that car is looks like, like fucking shit, man. I want that." It. Is basically most likely a hemorrhoid with wheels. I'm buying that. You're like <laughs> nobody says that. So, to me, graphically, it does matter as well. I was a big fan of uh, Hellgate London, which mm. was, and I don't mean a big fan saying it was good. But I was a big fan of playing it because the grind in that, I got different, you know, they, they procedurally generated some of the weapons like Borderlands. Okay. If that can entice me. I like enticements, graphically, sound, yeah, all those kind of things. And I think that that's when it becomes not okay, but more tolerable. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way to describe it. I, yeah, it's aesthetically, and I also thought as you were going on, it, it might be the goal, right? Like, what's the goal here right. for right. this what's grind? What's the goal which, of the grind? Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, I guess that kind of lines up with you. Like, what's the purpose? Why are the enemies reappearing? Um, in Octopath's case, I've noticed as I played some more of the demo late last night to get ready for the full release today, and I'm, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, uh, there was a patron question, which we'll get to later on, but they had asked me what I think of Octopath, and I was like, I played the fucking Dragon Ball card game so much at my local card shop for like <laughs> five hours that I got so caught up that I never had a chance to play Octopath today, so I won't be able to give impressions on that yet. But um, what I was getting to was Octopath Traveler has a mechanic where if you have Terry on the Thief, you're able to steal from people. And when you steal, you're able to get really, from some people, really fucking good gear. Like, huge upgrades. Like, plus 20 on all your stats. Like, huge, wow, that feels good upgrades without having to grind. Um, While it does risk if, for example, you get caught stealing and hurts your reputation in the town, people react negatively to you. They won't speak to you as much and all that type of stuff. And I'm sure prices go up and whatnot. Um, I thought to myself that in this situation, I feel like some of the grind might be removed. Um, which then does the combat just get tedious? I can't imagine it because it seems to have a very good combat system. But yeah, I, I think it's about the goal is what I was getting to originally and what that goal is. Like I remember one of my, probably the biggest grind of my gaming career was The Amazing Spider-Man 2. This is like a trademark story for me as a gamer. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, getting 
all the suits and upgrading all of them. I remember kind of funny games cast. I sat there. I listened to like three fucking episodes or four as I grinded the same level at the end of that game for like four hours. I thought I would go clinically insane. And the end goal, ladies and gentlemen, was a goddamn trophy. <laughs> that's the only reason I yeah. suffered through a grind. Is a grind always sufferable? No, that's why I also boil it down to aesthetics. But I think a big part of the grind and why players go through it is because there is some end goal. There is like, okay, if I get through this, I get to this. For well, me, it was like the bonus content. Yeah, it's the achievements. Yeah. And I, I think that's why people have built in achievements into games and trophies into games because sometimes there isn't a major goal in the game, but it's like if you mm. if you defeat every enemy on hard, you get this achievement, and it it's a meta game within the game. If you track them like you do, that's enticing. I literally have them off, so I don't even know. Like most of the time, when an achievement pops, I might hear a sound. I think on the Xbox, maybe even I think I even turn that off. I'm pretty sure. I just play the game. Like, I don't know. So I think for some gamers, that also speaks to them. Because I know people who are achievement hunters, as, you know, they really mm-hmm. are. That's what they're going for. To them, the grind might be worth it because of some end goal, which, let's say, is a platinum, which they care about. And it doesn't have to necessarily be in the game. I mean, you yourself, you are you like trophies. So yeah. to me it makes sense that you might look at something. Maybe I wouldn't look at it. And I'm not saying you would say this in a review. I think most of the time you would remove yourself from that equation and be like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. From the trophy. But I think that when people out there are like looking at a game, they, they hear you talk about a trophy. And I bet you some people are like, oh, yeah, I would do what Maddie did. Mm-hmm. And I bet you other people are like, what the f- did Maddie do? Like, yeah. who, who do that? Makes sense. Everybody's different. They're going to like those different things. Yeah. The only time I, I, I sometimes use platinum trophies as a, an example is uh, in my God of War review, and I used it in Neo just to, as like a proof of like I did literally anything I could possibly see or think of with this game. And my review, you can trust. Um, I put for God of War, I think I said forty hours and one platinum trophy later, and for Neo, I said ninety out ninety plus hours, two playthroughs, and one platinum trophy later. Just so people know, like what before clicking on it, like okay. Like yeah. he he did it all. He fucking did a lot with this game. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely because like I've seen reviews. Like I remember uh, Colin Moriarty when he used to work at IGN, and I think he still does it now with some of his reviews on SideQuest and um, Greg Miller. You know, because they both used to run the Beyond PlayStation podcast. Yeah. Um, they they'd mention trophies in reviews, and they were actually kind of originally the ones who got me into like. I love the idea of chasing trophies in the first place. And when they started like competing as like a joke on their podcast about it, I'd always like want to get involved in that. I'd be like, all right, let me sure. go for trophies too. So um, that's why when I listened to their reviews and I heard their voice on IGN, cause you don't know who you're going to get sometimes. I was like very trusting of them. Cause I knew at that yeah. time it aligned with them, but um, that's getting off track from the grind itself. Are there any specific, other specific grinds you think of that maybe you were okay with, but others weren't, or vice versa? Um, I know people are okay, this is gonna piss a bunch of people off. I know people are okay with Diablo's grind, but I'm actually, that's one of those games I don't games get that, that one either. Yeah, that's one of those games that I would play to beat, and then maybe grind a little bit, but the grind itself to me is really grindy in that game. There's something yeah. about 
the explosion of like random weapons and clicking on them, it only lasts me a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. But o- overall, when it comes to grind, I'm not a huge fan overall. I just won't hold it against the game if it if they try to reach out. For example, we see those games where it's like you can win it by going to most of these places, but there's a side place, God of War, where you can go and fight this these certain creatures in this little side area, yeah, and you'll get this. They should cut that area as far as I'm concerned. Well, they should have cut it, mm. but I'm still okay with some people liking that. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that, but I, I get why somebody may say, that's cool, because it's also, it's, it's also not required, and I think that when a grind becomes a requirement, and then it becomes fluff, and usually I can tell fluff because there's a distance between goals, between things you're getting. Yes. That just bothers me over time. It just, it grates on me. And uh, it, Ubisoft games are a prime example. You know, Assassin's Creed titles are one of those examples where they finally got away from it. But I don't know if anybody remembers, but when the first time I walked up to a floating sea shanty and that fucking thing flew off, I almost killed somebody. Like, I was yeah, like, I like, went up to reach fuck? it and it flew off. Yeah, and I was like, I'm not chasing that motherfucker. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Are you kidding me? That was fluff because it, re- it it was not only a collectible, it was a collectible that you already had to find by climbing to unique mm. places. But then, then you they jump also, off of it and yeah, ha- yeah. hunt it down. Oh, dude. God, that killed my soul. Disgusting. No, I, yeah. I, I agree completely. Um, there was a grind that I wasn't a huge... I wouldn't call it a grind. This is probably the wrong morning, but a lot of people were like a huge fan of doom and the way it was constructed new doom um and how it was like a i liked the carrot when it was dangled in front of me you know i liked chasing and getting those new weapons and using them all and then having that period of time where you just run into rooms and you had your full arsenal and you just blow shit up and that was fun but then it became grindy where it felt like another room another right. fucking room another room it was like oh my goodness i like this game but oh my god uh where some people it was like was the grind okay of in their opinion for me the end game was the grind but yeah. for some people maybe the beginning game was and i put this in quotes the grind where they were acquiring all the weapons ramping up for yes i finally got everything and that's where they were like fuck yes i'm the man so i really think it's Aesthetically, I think it's goal-wise. I think it's preference, not preference. That's not the right word. It's expectations. Uh, yeah. Trying to make your your video game dreams come true. Like I want to be the Doom Marine. And I want to have all these weapons. And fucking first demon I see afterwards is getting cut with this chainsaw, and then I'm blasting the other one with the what's that green cannon with the funny ass name? I don't remember. You like charge it up and decimates enemies it had like a funny uh, whatever anyway just a little bit of a talk on the grind and now we move into our favorite new part of the show the patron questions we need a music we need like a not like jeopardy but we need a little jingle you can hit and play i would love that (laughs) i I would love that ladies and gentlemen if you work (laughs) on music at all and you can make us a funny little jingle reach out to either of us our handles are on screen at g27 status and at jeremy penter let us know because we we'd like to add a little bit more uh fun stuff anyway let's get into the questions we have a lot more this time than we did last week um First off, shout out to the Grimblade for having 114 hours in Prey. That's fucking insane. But anyway. Jesus. I know, right? Um, 
Embrace the grind, Grim. Embrace it. <laughs> yeah, is that a grind? I'd love to hear his response in the Patreon Discord. Yeah, no shit. That would be interesting. Yeah. All right, so Toft asks us, did either of you think you'd make it this far with YouTube? No. Yes, you don't plan for this type of stuff. <laughs> you have the goal, yeah. you have the hopes, but no. I can't say I personally planned for it. Do I have the confidence to hopefully make it this deep? Yes, but... I have a question for you, Maddie. Did you do... So when I started, gaining one sub was a big deal, right? And then mm-hmm. you, you gain a couple, and then you start like looking at your numbers. One of the things I will no longer do religiously, I just I won't look at I try at my best to as well. But I remember one time going, holy shit, I am close to always getting double-digit um, subscribers every day and being like, that's awesome. And then it goes mm-hmm. to triple and occasionally I'll hit you know quadruple if I do a big review or whatever. Yeah. And that's the one thing I will say that like I, I wouldn't I didn't look forward to it. I didn't even think it will happen, but it is something I tracked. Like I I was like, "Oh shit, people like this." I I so it was what I it wasn't necessarily what I ever thought would happen. It's the stuff I hoped for. I mm-hmm. hoped to get double digit subscribers every day. Like that was a, a hope and to yeah. hit that is fantastic. Like it amazing absolutely i remember vividly um when my channel first 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 ever got some growth i started doing skyrim guides Uh, i did rare weapon guides and i remember i used that my ipod touch hooked up to my email account and at the time anytime i got a sub and anytime i got a comment (laughs) i'd hear the little ving ving because i kept getting an email I remember, like, I had posted my Chillrend Skyrim guide, and then I posted Bolar's Oathblade, and both these videos were exploding. And I just remember, like, walking into my room to play more Skyrim, to make more videos, just because I was like, let's do this, and hearing, like, ving, ving, yeah, ving, ving, like that. Like, I'm not exaggerating. It just kept in, 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 like that. And I remember, like, cheesiest smile, and, like, jumping up and down in my room, like, it was fucking Christmas, you know, it was, so yeah, and what I do nowadays is like, yeah, like, you get accustomed to it, you, you see, like, those double digit numbers, you're like, okay, I'm used to this, um, it was really, really, really exciting when May, June, this month, I've seen, you know, quadruple digit numbers each month, that's been really exciting, because I, like, I walk into a mall, or I walk into a store of any kind, and I see, like, X amount of people, and then I, like, apply in my head like this is like a couple hundred (laughs) people and that many people times like four subbed to me on youtube it's like fuck that's awesome you know so like yeah that's how i think of it that way too to because sometimes for for people and i've had this issue before sometimes it's just numbers on a screen right you're like yeah okay like not that it means less but you're just like you're always interacting with just data on on a screen on a screen that's why meetups are so important that's why i'm upset i missed pax east this year because i like to take the time i didn't meet a couple of people at e3 but i like to take the time to like talk with the viewers and yeah build relationships and and meet them and actually physically see that person in front of me and and you know i remember literally every person not by name but like i remember the faces of every person so when they tweet at me on twitter like i know who it is it's awesome it's awesome yeah the, the one and i've told you this but the best experience for me and i will remember it forever is going to PAX and having somebody yell across the street, like, Angry Centaur! And I turned yeah. around, and he's like, oh, shit! And 
meeting him and being like, well, and I was at like 40,000 or something and meeting him and being like, oh, well, that's that's fucking that's really awesome. Like to yeah. meet people like that. Those are the ones that like to me, that's actually more enjoyable. Oh, whoops. My computer went out to me. That's more enjoyable overall. Uh, the mm-hmm. people than it is the numbers because another thing about numbers they don't mean much because I also have people unsubscribe you get uh, somebody will post your video somewhere you know like on a forum somewhere and it'll get yeah. extra subscribers but it doesn't really indicate they're always going to watch your stuff Yeah. so to me usually it's like people when somebody says something like hey I disagreed with this but I actually see your context I'm far more likely to interact with them than anybody on the other two ends of the spectrum. If somebody's like, I absolutely love your stuff, I would kill for you, I'm like, whoa, they're a little dangerous. You never know where psychologically they are. But Or somebody who's like, you're a fucker, those two, whatever. It's mm-hmm. the ones who are more like, like fan-like but understand you know, mm-hmm. who you are and stuff like that and I, that, that I remember, and I'll probably remember forever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Next question comes from Crazy Herb. He had guested on the podcast one time. He says, what are your guys' thoughts on achievement art? I think it is really overlooked by people, but some achievements have awesome pieces of concept art attached to them. Also, what additions do you think they can make to the achievement system in general? So, this is hot off of you saying you don't even, you didn't even you know, know what made I, a sound. I don't even know what he's talking about right now. <laughs> you didn't even know what made a sound, so I don't even know if you knew about the concept art. Um See, for me, as a, a primary, like, I don't achievement hunt anymore. I used to. I had, I had like, 60K gamer score on, like, in 2013 on my Xbox, and then I just moved to PS3. Yeah, no, I, I, no, no, I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I totally <laughs> agree with you, pridefully. Um, but, you know, after that, I moved to my PS3 mostly, and then I bought Xbox One at launch, and instantly, once Christmas came, it was PS4 time since then. So I've been more of a trophy hunter. I have always noticed and appreciated those little pictures that pop up in the corner for um ps4 um alongside the trophies because like the, the fallout okay. ones are always the best like seeing like the the fallout 3 platinum like he's holding the platinum trophy the vault boy i thought that was sure. fucking awesome um xbox does cool things where you can take that achievement art and like make it your background on your profile and stuff which i love um PlayStation has a similar thing. If you save a screenshot, you can make it your profile picture background if someone were to view your profile on PSN. Um, But as for the additions they can make to the achievement system, we had talked about this one time a while ago, and it was really hard for us to think of ways to evolve it because Xbox had created a system that I would have originally suggested where they have that ultra rare achievement they call it where you do little things all over the place and it it creates the one big final achievement or something like that ps4 has got that platinum trophy i think their best edition was showing percentages to increase like saying same thing with xbox i love that it's like oh five percent got this and i'm one of those five percent of like a million gamers like that's awesome to see so what I'd, I'd suggest, if anything, is not a specific idea, but more so how you can further that feeling of accomplishment and enticement. Yeah. Um, one way of doing that is rewards, I think. And by rewards, I mean something along the lines of, I remember there was only for the UK, it was awfully strange, if you got the Platinum and Bloodborne, they'd give you a special free dynamic background. Mm, or gotcha. theme, yep. sorry. For your PS4. And I was like... I wish I had that because I platinum Bloodborne. I love that game, man. I played that like three or four times through. 
and I worked hard for the Platinum just like anyone else. So why is it because I'm not in the UK? Do I not get the Steam? I'd love for there to be rewards tied to that ultimate achievement or ultra achievement. I'd love for rewards to be tied to the Platinum. Just like not, hey, you got the Plat, you know, you got the Plat, and here's a theme. Here's a unique gamer picture. Here's, I don't know what the fuck else. You know, I, I know there was this thing that Sony had done, I think, where you can show your trophy count and get like X amount of credit on the store or something like that. But they obviously, I had just remembered that as we talk about it. Um, so I imagine there's a reason they're not promoting it that much, yeah, probably because right. that's lost money for them. But yeah, like I said, it's a very, it's one of the few systems in video games that I think is very well crafted for those who like it. Um, for those who don't like it, like Carrick said, you just turn it off. It's very easy to ignore too. And so I feel like it's one of those situations where, yeah, you just have to add to the accomplishment. All you can do is add more and just give them something for completing it, not just saying I you got the plot. I love the percentages. Mm-hmm. I, it's a good thing you mentioned that because that's the one thing I noticed. I think it was Dead Rising 4 when they maybe they just had turned them on, but the Xbox had like a diamond mm-hmm. and it's like and it, a really high, like tinkly, like crystalline sound and it yeah. was a rare achievement. You know, 1% of people. And I was just like, oh, mm-hmm. that was cool. It burned off pretty quickly. But if other people like that, I could see that. I could see rewards. The only problem I... Th- if it's a reward that's unconnected to the game and not a cosmetic, I would be totally fine with it. I just mm-hmm. wouldn't want somebody to get a special cape. I don't know why. I don't know why. I mean, it just... That sort would of you like starts an to make me feel. You, so you wouldn't want like an in-game reward? I wouldn't. I know that sounds crazy. No, it, but I, I was just curious. I, um, I hadn't even thought of that. Or... Or do what you you play does. This is one of the few times I'm going to say something positive about you play. But you play has the gold coins you get oh, as yeah. you play games, and I love that I can go from Far Cry and then jump into Assassin's Creed and spend those in Assassin's Creed. And I can't buy them anywhere, at least that I know of. I think in the games you can buy them, but I'm not talking about that. I mm. love that because what it has actually caused me to do is occasionally go back to a Ubisoft game. I didn't think I was going to go back to and buy something for it, like a gun or whatever, just to look and just be like, oh, man, you know, I'll jump into this. There's a cool new gun that I can get. I And, and I love the fact that if I play Ubisoft games and have gold coins and a new game comes, you can sometimes buy an achievement, or not buy an achievement, but buy a cosmetic right then. Hmm. I, I think the cross-game stuff I like more than in-game. Like, I like the idea because I think it does, en- it might engage people a little bit more in their titles. Definitely. But to me, it feels like you get more right off the bat, like in Siege. Yeah. You get like the. I remember I started up Siege for the first time in a while, a couple of nights ago. And because I have Watch Dogs 2 between then right. and now, like I had Watch Dogs 2 stuff. Yeah. It, it was just cool that the cross game stuff happened. Yep. So I yep. can, I, I like can get that. behind that too. I, I'd say that. I wouldn't, oh, I wouldn't imagine uh, people would be opposed to in-game items just because you get the plat, keep them playing, right? Pre- so, Prey yeah. and Bethesda, right? Don't you get Skyrim stuff in the Prey DLC? Mm-hmm. Correct. Prey and What do you have to do? It. You know what you have to do to get that? You I am not sure. I am not sure because mm-hmm. it was just recently added, I believe. Yeah. If yeah, I remember correctly. But I know there's like a mimic top hat. It's like striped that you can oh, get There you to. go. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. I would, I would have. <laughs> Next question comes from Heretical Shark. Um, what is your, what is, in your opinion, the scariest or creepiest video game you've ever played, and why? Easy. 
Oh man. Do you have one? Uh, actually, no. I read this question in advance too, and I was just like, hmm. I don't play a lot of scary games. Creepy. That one I might be able to answer though. But I'd love to hear your answer. It'll probably Sys- System Shock Two. Ooh. Okay. It's got space monkeys, which is creepy enough on their own. Monkeys are already creepy. Should all uh-huh. be killed. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> but it's System Shock Two is one of those ones where it gave me the shivers. And, and caused me to legitimately be, like, creeped out. And then Thief 3 has a level, and this level's been covered by Game of Sutra, it's been covered at GDC, called The Cradle. And it's a living home that is in a, it's where, like, an insane asylum where a bunch of people died, mm-hmm. but the home is alive. And if you play Thief, I would assume most people would agree that in a Thief game, the world is your oyster. It's like, it's your partner. Shadows are your partner. The darkness is your partner. Like, that's those are the places that you can find solace because a human's going to kill you if they see you. What happens in the cradle is the exact opposite. The, the house wants to kill you. And to me, there was something fucking amazing. And if anybody gets a chance, go out and look at Game of Sutra's like 45-page breakdown from the developer. But the developer even made a sound effect that is actually, if a human heart was enlarged to the size of a home, what it would sound like. And that's the music in the background. So wow. it's like this low... And you never pick up on that. It's just discordant and a little uncomfortable sounding. And then I found out by reading these articles that he had put that in. Fantastic. So System Shock 2 and then, uh, like I said, Thief. A level in Thief. Do you have any creepy ones? Yes, creepy. Scary. Um, You know, I I don't dive into scary that much. Not like it's a... afraid. It's more like I'm just never thinking, let me go play something scary. I don't know. Because I think creepy is more effective. Because, like, you can get, like, really good, you can get action-packed, and then you can also get creepy. But if you're playing scary, you're getting just scary. that scary. Yeah. So if it was, like, scary, you know, you think of, like, Resident Evil 7, like, that game scared me. You know, there were a couple like points. Kool-Aid Man when he comes out yeah. of the hole. Yeah, yeah. Or like, when you turn around in the crawl space and you just see the little girl's dress and her legs. Like, I hate little girls in, in <laughs> horror games. So, like, for me, I was, like, in my, I was in this very chair playing on my PC like this. I was, like... Yeah, exactly. I literally put the controller down and went and ate, and ate dinner. I don't I trust it. this game. Yeah, I was like, oh, we're taking a breather. Creepy, though, um, bit of a different pick, but I'd go with Danganronpa. Um, that series has Dark, always insane. very much creeped me out. I love it to death. It's one of my favorite series, but it's creepy. Um, it's literally based around you're locked in a school. There are kids who are younger than me at this point in time, like around age... 18 max trapped in this school and the only way they get out is by murdering each other and it's like that's just a creepy <laughs> concept that's fucking dark and and when you look at the complexity of these murders and how they try to hide them and you break it down in the case it's like fuck how did someone that young you know of course it's like yeah, not literally right. them but you connect with the characters you go how did someone that young think of something so absolutely Vile. wrong and yeah and and like hateful you know, were they that self-absorbed that they wanted to escape that they do that to someone and take away their life? And then when they're executed, so let's say you, you succeed in the class trial and you do incriminate the correct person and you're like, you're the killer and it turns out they are, they get executed at the end. And like every execute is themed on the character they are. So for example, a certain character in the game, I will not spoil who, gets fucking lit up by a automatic baseball pitching machine 
by like 40 of them from all angles. So you just see a bunch of balls coming in, just literally pelting this guy to death. That sounds really creepy just hearing about yeah. it. Yeah. And, and V3, the latest one, is just super fucked. Um, super, 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 super fucked. Especially some of the executions, man. They're like, the f- at least the first two will break your heart. Uh, it, it always just leaves an unsettling feeling. It's it's yeah. just very impactful. Um, like you, I said, would you say Persona? Because Persona creeps me out when they chop the heads off the monsters mm, to to upgrade them. I don't Persona know why. Persona Five story beginning did creep me out. Like the first ten hours, where yeah. you start seeing like Kamoshida and like who he really is, and yeah, some of the creepy. themes they're actually they're actually touching on which not many games ever do i was like whoa it's kind of fuck like 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 they never they do a really good job in that game of not showing yeah what's really happening but alluding to like hey uh what's what's uh what's her best friend's name i forgot her name but like they're like the the kamoshita wants to see you in his office and like the kid who's coming from there is bruised and he's sending another bruised girl out there you're like oh fuck bro like this guy's awful well and isn't that the one yeah it's persona it's the latest one where like your teacher Mm. your teacher and you or or it's not you it's your teacher no it is you yeah your teacher and you you are kind of like feuding yeah well no and then and then she becomes one of the teachers dresses up Oh, and you go, oh, Kawakami, Kawakami, yeah, yeah. you're like, you. oh, yeah. fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was when I was like, I mean, I have no problem with it, people have their own kinks, but I, I remember while playing it going, fuck, like, they went there, like, yeah. that was that was pretty pretty shocking for that game. It, it was definitely fan service, though, because you can, like, date a bunch of girls your age, and you're like, you can go for the mom if you want. <laughs> yeah, the MILF. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Papa Bear. Are you guys ever going to get a replacement host for the podcast? And what would that process look like? So, this isn't to cut you out, but I feel like because I was there for the only replacement process, I can speak to that best. With Carrick, it was a very unique situation because we had already had you on at one point. I had known you for a long time, long enough time, where upon Noah leaving... We, me, you, and Lone had already gelled. Where, like, a sub at that point made sense, and not only that, but more importantly, it fit. It didn't break the chemistry of the podcast. It didn't break. We didn't have to twist who we were for it. You know, there weren't any sacrifices, and so I was just. It was a very. It wasn't even a process. It was like, do you want to join every week? Yeah. Okay. That was it. With. A replacement host, um, Carrick and I have talked about it. It's more so we're keeping our eyes open, but a lot of people have really suggested, and we had really touched on it more, that, hey, we have all this space in the show, and I know this is ironic because there's only two of us here, and it's been that way for the past two weeks, but we're like, hey, there are two of us here. This is a good chance to get guests on and have space on our show where – um, we never really had that. It was always us three. And then a big issue we'd have is we'd want to bring on one person and we'd have another that we- was only available for one week. So then we couldn't stack them five people into a call. We've, I've o- we've only done that once in the history of the show and it was yeah. just like internet hell. Um, it was actually, for those wondering, it was the interview with Courtney Taylor and Kal-El Bagdenov, who was the voice director for Fallout 4. 
Um, but yeah, it's like one of those situations where once we know, we know, kind of. Like, once we have that guest where we just hit it off and you, like, you know, we shut down the recording and you and I, like, kind of glance at each other like, dude, that was good. Like, you know, we, we kind of just know. At least in my opinion. Now, I don't want to speak for you, but... Because that's kind of how it went for Lone and I afterwards. We You joined. I was like, bro. It's like, he added so much. He was funny as fuck. Like, I think, you know, we can trust... No, I think, like, we can trust him and I think he's, like, a really good fix here for what we need and it was instantaneous and it, it was a perfect decision so it's like that's my opinion that's that's how i've approached it personally i think the big thing too that it's hard to admit but dude it's hard to get people who want to do a podcast mm. first of all on somebody else's channel the reason why i have no problem is because i absolutely love talking to maddie like it's my favorite mm. thing on a friday but a lot of people don't have a one o'clock Pacific three o'clock Eastern time frame that they can jump in yeah. or whatever time frame it was for Maddie when we started. So uh, the big thing for me is like anybody you get, dude, and and are they gonna make sure their audio looks okay? Are they gonna you know have their shit set up? Are yeah. they gonna take it serious? And I mean, I think it it is really rare. Like we've had the same issue on our podcast. It's like if you try or are thinking about you know adding somebody even if you're not replacing somebody adding very difficult mm -hmm. time is a big deal you don't want to say hey we're gonna have somebody else on the channel i mean even you and i stress missing one like where yeah. we're all okay this is the thing i mean my family knows fridays cannot be disturbed like i mean i have family members who live with me who are all we know on fridays we have to leave the house because carrick doesn't want to deal with a bunch of sounds while he's recording except for the dogs so I think it's difficult, man. Yeah. I mean, you have to find somebody who is going to buy in to doing it, and mm, it's, it's not that easy. It's it's a commitment. It really is. It is. Even it is. for me, like, you know, Friday in the evening, that's, like, right when plans are starting. Like, uh, yeah. I don't say it's in yeah. a complaining way, but, like, my friends right now are having a pool party, and I, you know, I will have to skedaddle as fast as I can right. after the show, but it's, like, one of those things where that's a sacrifice. If I, if, if... Carrick and I decide not to do the show, which will never happen, uh, you know, the, then, yeah, my Fridays are open, but it's a sacrifice, and it's like, you got to block out at least three hours, which is yeah. a good chunk of your day. That's your morning to evening, that's, or I'm sorry, that's your morning to afternoon, your afternoon to evening, evening to night, like, it's a big part of your day when you're awake. So I, I think and, also, and like you said, but, not to cut you off, just like, yeah, it's it's like, it's on my channel. It's like, yeah, yeah. You, you, you benefit from exposure, Podcasts aren't the highest viewed videos either, um, yeah. and so it's, it's just the situation where it's it's definitely let's say it's hard to get someone on, but it's one of those things where some of the ideas we've had we thought about were like you know, they wouldn't really want to commit anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was just going to add that I think that the commitment is in a a sort of it has to accompany. Are they going to try to push? the podcast or mm. you know is it going to be somebody who wants to join in and talk isn't necessarily super caustic you know because that that can be fun but over a long period of time that's not what you guys have ever been about you guys have been about your one of your best friends being on the channel another friend mm. you know in loan that you've got to meet a couple times but really gelling getting together having a good time so that your friday is spent knowing that when you get done and hit record or sorry hit 
send and upload it that you can leave without having to worry about anything. And yeah. it's it's fucking so difficult, man. It's I mean, there's a lot of people who want their own shit too, like you said. Like I've thought, oh, I'll upload my uh, Maddie's podcast onto mine if I miss an international. We haven't, but it's like if I miss an international. But overall, I think most people just don't even want to do that. Like not to be rude, but a lot of YouTubers they want their own thing. Not Definitely. to be rude. I mean, yeah, they, but they do. Absolutely, because most times what happens is we're creators. So when someone says, hey, you want to join my podcast and they don't have their own, they're like, why don't I just make my own? Freddie Prince Jr., I've told you this. Mm. He loves video games. I talk to him all the time on Twitter. And every single time somebody asks him to join a podcast, he's like, why don't you just come to mine? And Mm. he he made it very clear. He was like, listen, you invite me, but in all honesty, I've got my own or I'm going to start my own. It's true. Like the moment you ask somebody, they're all, huh. Maybe I should just do that too. Everybody's exactly. got a podcast. Everybody's Absolutely. Got a podcast. That's the thing. And my man. mom it's... should have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's uh oh, wait, 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 wait. We did miss one. I just remembered. I I did recall seeing one from Dov Plays. Uh I remember it actually from the top of my head. I just wanted to get the exact reading, but he said like if you could take one artifact from any game into real life, what would it be? <laughs> Uh, you, what like a mat, like a a necklace of something, or like I guess like, uh, like an item. Yeah, right? just a, an item, like something you could hold in your in the palms of your hand, kind of. Not like a, a f- fucking tower or something. I, don't I was know, gonna but... say that I was gonna say the golden apple from from Assassin's Creed, but that's not very fair because that pretty much that kind of works. Overpowerful. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, dude, I would love a laser gun. Yeah, I don't know why, but like the idea of having a Mass Effect gun and just going into the backyard, just blowing the fences away. <laughs> What's funny probably... is my original answer would be something like the Pip Boy or, or whatever, the oh, Voltec yeah. bobbleheads, but like they already made those, so that's true, didn't they? And yeah. there's already Nerf Mass Effect guns. You know what I'd like? There's a necklace in Baldur's Gate that increases your like physical appearance by like ten. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd buy that, and I'd just be like, I'm single again. See you guys later. Um. Oh, dude, horrible answer, but it's anyone's crazy if they wouldn't a lightsaber. Oh, yeah, Hello? a true a real lightsaber would. Yeah, be, absolutely. Give yeah. me, give me a green lightsaber. SWAT team would show up at your house and oh, fucking. Be somebody be like, "This dude's chopping shit up with a fucking lightsaber," but it'd be the coolest like, forty minutes. Okay, <laughs> but, like cutting yeah, the tree down. Or they're shooting and you're just blocking their fucking MP5 bullets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lightsaber would be a very good one. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a tough one to answer without something cliche. But uh, yeah, thank you nonetheless for those questions, patrons. And that wraps up everything we've got for episode one sixty three of the Ham Radio Podcast. Carrick, you have fun. Oh, dude, I always have a blast. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is you're at sixty three. I'm only at eighty three. You're at one sixty three. Sorry. I'm only at 83. <laughs> I've got a large number to in- uh, yeah. catch, catch it, it was guys, funny as it'll sneak up on you. You'll be at 160 and you'll go, fuck, like, how do we yeah. get here? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Very regular, which I love. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I love being able to plan and go, yep, this is for sure happening. Yeah, that this way, is for sure happening. This is happening yeah. every Sunday. It's something so to put up nice. on the channel. Yeah, I agree completely. 
completely. So, especially as someone who uploads every day, it's like yeah, so yeah, nice to like way better than I do. No. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Well, dude, it's tough sometimes when there's like a slow news week. Like I'm making a video about but Ty Howard saying stop buying Skyrim. Like. <laughs> You know, I don't mind making this, but I, I mean, I really wish something else was coming out. So, like, on a slow news week like this, having a podcast to toss up on the Sunday, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah beautiful. it's very cool. Anyway, we hope you guys enjoyed episode 163 of the Ham Radio Podcast. If you got this deep in the show, tweet at us with the hashtag. We talked about. Love mm. one another. I feel Love like one a, another. That's, that's, Let's a, do it. that's been a good theme lately. So we'll do that. Handles are at G27Status, at Jeremy Penter. We hope to hear from you guys, and we'll catch you next week. Peace out. Peace out.